Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are someone that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you've come to the right place. You don't have to call yourself anything. We don't have to use any labels. You're just someone that knows something isn't working for you and you want to make an intentional change. Let's go. Hi, Greg. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Rachel. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so delighted to hear your story. You know, I had originally kind of had an intro to this podcast that said for women. And I had so many men kind of reaching out and just saying, hey, you know, what's up with this? You know, we want to tell our (laughs) stories, too. And we think it's important for other people to hear our stories. And I'm like, you know what? I couldn't agree more. And so I was really grateful that you, uh, you know, were able to come on and just share more of your story. I think the more of our stories that we can get out there, the more normalized this can be for people and just to help them feel less alone. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So we'll just start with kind of how did you get here talking to me um, outside of the relationship with alcohol? Just kind of curious about your (laughs) kind of professional journey. Um, How did you get to where you are today? And then we'll kind of get into how alcohol was a part of that. Sure. So I'll I'll circle. um, I'll do a couple of loops, I guess you'll say. So main reason on how we met was uh, want to give uh, kudos to Amy Woodall, a colleague of mine in Indianapolis, with Sandler and uh, she had mentioned you uh, on a post and you guys were chatting and I said, Hey, I'd love to be a part of that as well. Um, You know, I've been uh, clean for almost 15 years uh, based around alcohol and uh, wasn't like a, you know, day-to-day drinker. It was more of a binge drinker. And uh, it was just something that I did regularly. It started in in college, never drank before that. Um, And it wasn't something that I thought um, interfered with, you know, studies, relationships, um, work, any of that. And, uh, you know, started around 18 and continued that, um, consumption or binge drinking, uh, throughout my, uh, college and work life. And, um, you know, I did some, some poor and made some poor decisions because of that. Um, you know, it went all the way till I was what it was 2008. And I like to tell the story this way. And and I mentioned to you, I didn't feel like I really had a, a rock bottom, but this is kind of my rock bottom story. Um, comparatively. So everyone's a little different. And so I came from, uh, an alcoholic family, uh, a lot of family members, including my father, uh, you know, were alcoholics and it's one of those things where, um, I tell my friends and family, like, look at you don't, you may not have the problem with me. So don't worry about like doing it in front of me. And we'll get to that, uh, a little later. Um, it's not your problem. It's mine. And so I, I keep it as my issue. Um, but the, the rock bottom story was, um, you know, my wife and I, we, we would enjoy having a, a drink and we went over to visit another couple, mm-hmm. um, and it was in March. And for those that have been in the Midwest know that March can be a little sketchy, especially around springtime. It doesn't necessarily mean because it's spring, it's going to be 60, 70 degree weather. And this particular evening, it was about freezing. And we went to our friends um, and we're having a great time. And my wife was driving, so she didn't want to uh, partake. Uh, so she had a glass early in the evening. And then she's like, look, if I'm going to drive, I want to make sure that uh, I'm sober for it. I'm like, okay. So I picked up for two 
And the the three of us continue to have a couple bottles of wine. And then as would be like a, a great idea, we decided because we finished all the wine to have Pepsi and vodka, which seems totally appropriate sure, at 11 o'clock on a school night. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I had that and my wife's like, maybe you should uh, back off a little bit. And uh, I'm like, no. And so continued on. And uh, then walked outside and it was freezing and I felt horrible. And we had a, about um, an hour drive ahead of us. And so I felt like I was going to be sick. So for, for, and it was all main roads on the, the way home. So no freeway, but still in that 50 to 60 minute drive, I had the window down the entire time. So my wife's driving home uh, with a window down and we get to about a quarter mile from our house and I have her pull over at a gas station and I, uh, you know, I get sick all over um, myself and the inside of her vehicle, her, her door. And this is rough, roughly around midnight. And so we get home and I go inside and throw all my dirty clothes in the, in the hamper and go to sleep, pass out. Meanwhile, my, my wife is, uh, you know, she's, she spends about the next two hours cleaning her, uh, her car of all the red wine and, and, uh, uh, stuff we'll say <laughs> off of, off the inside of the car. And, um, you know, I woke up the next morning and, uh, you know, I said, uh, I, yeah, I feel horrible. I'm not going to do that again. And I looked at her and she had the, the same look that my mom had of like, um, uh, what's the, the word I'm looking for, um, not not regret but um oh shoot i can't think of it it's escaping me right now but the point is is that i saw that look and uh i'm like i'm done because i knew that if i continued down this course i'd end up um resentment that's the word i'm looking for um there's this look of resentment and i didn't want that from my wife we had a good relationship and i didn't want anything to get in the way so i stopped right then and there um, I actually had a, a getaway. We had a getaway to Chicago the following week. And I put a, a real big test on if I could do this or not, because it was with some other friends and, um, they totally supported me in it. And after I made that first turtle, that was it. Um, I, you know, I, I don't miss it. Um, I make sure that people feel comfortable around it. I mean, it's, it's my issue. Um, but yeah, I haven't had a drop since. And, and don't really miss it. I always remember the times that, you know, put me here and I don't want to ever go back to zero. So sure. did you have a time period? I know it's been a, a long amount of time, which I love having you on because many of us have, you know, I'm only a couple years into this journey, you know? So yeah. for many people, it's become almost like a trendy thing or people are doing dry Januaries. And so yep. I love to hear this story of longevity was there a time period at the beginning that you missed it? Was there kind of that, oh man, I just wish I could drink like a normal person. Did you have to go through any sort of even like grieving process for I this think, thing that was your buddy for a while? Yeah, I think I did. I, 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 I you know, I can't remember, uh, but I would think that I did. I know that it, there's, for me, I was a social drinker. It was one of those things that, and there's, there's something to that, you know, that term liquid courage in that. Uh -huh. you, and so- there was something to that. And did I miss it? Um, yeah, I think early on, I'd be, I wouldn't be telling truthfully to you, Rachel, that I, 
if I said otherwise. Um, I think the key component, and you know this from you know being a coach and going down that road of of self exploration and growth, that that's what I had to do. I had to learn how to how to be an individual on my own and and learn again how to be confident and and grow through a lot of different failures. So I used it as a crutch for a very long time, and I had to figure out, hey, what is it that I'm ashamed of what is it that I'm trying to grow? Where's my worthiness? Some of those really, you know, deep uh, topics. Those were things that I, I believe that I was masking, uh, really going deep and figuring them out for myself through my drinking. So that's yeah. really, yeah. Yeah. I would say that first, maybe seven, eight months was the hardest for me because I had to start doing some of that work without any alcohol, you know? So it was like, okay, wow. That's really interesting that this is coming up right now. Um, I find it to be a little bit fascinating just by the work that I do, because I do a lot of work in like the personality habit types of change and those types of things to be the one in the room that's not drinking and watching how people's personalities change. Yes. And not in a judgmental way. I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, that happened to me too. And I didn't even know. I mean, I didn't even know it was happening. So I found that to be, I find that to still be really fascinating to sit in a room of people or go out with people and just watch it slowly change. And then there's a certain part point where like it really changes and it's like, whoa, that's really interesting. So in in some ways it's like, I almost feel like I'm working and I enjoy just the observation (laughs) of it, you know? I'm with um, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I love you sharing that story and, you know, being honest about it. Like, yeah, there was a period, a period of it that was tough. We don't want to make it like, oh yeah, we can just flip a switch and be fine. No. For me, I was a social drinker and that was the hardest part. And then I had, I love that you, you brought up that like your friends were supportive. I had this yeah. mindset that if I told people I wanted to do this, they weren't going to want to spend time with me anymore. That didn't happen. It really so- didn't happen. So I'll stop you right there now I because I can think of for the most part, it didn't happen with me either, except for two people. And it was funny, like looking back um, where those people are today and kind of some of their journeys. I mean, one was um, arguably an alcoholic. Um, uh-huh. The other just didn't get it. And uh, and that's OK. Like yeah. it's, it's perfectly OK. And, and um, you know, both of those people really aren't part of my life, but. I think it's more from the growth and the people that I've put myself around uh, than it is anything about them. So um, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I I think that's an important point that you, that you mentioned. Yeah. Well, and I will say that we did have a a friend couple that we just stopped spending so much time with them, but it really turned out. I just, I think we both kind of mutually were like, I don't know if we're even like, we want to spend that much time with one another. And I find it interesting that we do often gravitate towards people with similar drinking habits to ours. Because if they're drinking as much as we are, then it's not a problem. (laughs) They were drinking more than I was. So it can't be a problem, you know? So it's interesting how we kind of trick ourselves. And, you know, for me, like I didn't have that rock bottom moment either, but the point was that it was a problem for me. I felt like it was affecting my health. I felt like it was affecting my mental clarity with the work that I do my patience with my children, you know, all these yeah. things. Uh, my relationship is better than it ever has been because I am not, you know, under the influence of something. And so, yes. 
Um, and I've been able to further articulate my authentic self to my husband versus the wine drinking authentic self, authentic <laughs> self I'm saying in air quotes. So I would just love to hear, let's start with the personal side. If you're open to yeah. sharing what, like, what was the impact you said your relation, you had a good relationship at the time, even with your wife, but you saw that look of resentment and it was like, Oh, that's it. How yeah. have things, you know, changed in that relationship um, over the last 15 years? You know, you've had a lot of time. Yeah. Well, I think well, the first thing from a, a physical standpoint that was fascinating was I dropped 10 pounds. Now I gained <laughs> those back, but that was the first thing was like from stopping that it happened very quickly. Like um, my alcohol level stopped and so did my, my dropping in weight. And then when it came to my relationships, they got more honest, which was good. And, and you said it, you know, it's a common word that we use now authentic. And I think, you know, I look at my wife as my best friend and I, I have another couple of buddies who I will always say that they're my best friends outside of my wife. I mean, we have a very good relationship. It's candid. Um, It's not always easy because we have real good, thoughtful, candid, authentic conversations. And but I think because of that, we have a very good, um, strong relationship. And, you know, there there are times where, you know, we went through job losses or job changes or uh, moves or deaths in the family. And I just think by um, not having that, meaning the alcohol, I think it gave me clarity. It gave me concise thoughts and and very true thoughts and ideas instead of the you know blurry eyed uh trying to recover half thoughts that were running through my head on a regular basis i think it really tightened us up um for the long haul yeah yeah that's super relatable for the ladies that are listening with the 10 pound weight loss don't come after greg okay he seems like a really nice guy <laughs> you know i hear a lot of women say you know like they were promised that you know <laughs> like they were promised because you know they, he, people say it all the time you're gonna lose weight you're not ingesting all these calories it yeah. takes our bodies a long time to, if we're drinking heavily to kind of rebalance itself and for women we do have you know unique hormones that need to kind of figure out what this new body looks like, you know, without the alcohol. So yeah. Full disclosure, I'm going to interrupt too. And here's the additional part. I have a pretty high metabolism and my friends and family, my wife tell me that all the time. So to your point, there's the asterisk on the 10 pounds. Okay. All right. Well, okay, Greg, we're done here then. Thank you for joining. It's so great. You know, yeah. My husband and I like eat healthy for a week. He loses 10 pounds. I gain a pound. Like it's fun. So yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's great to hear just from a relationship standpoint. I think, you know, both both my husband and I were drinking. We didn't have a bad relationship, but we weren't having those real conversations. Sometimes we would ignore needed tough conversations because it just felt easier. Yeah. Let's just make a, uh, you know, gin martini and be done with this, you know? Um, and so we were avoiding a lot of things. I know I certainly was, that's my go-to is to like almost avoid that uncomfortable thing until, you know, it gets so uncomfortable that I can't anymore. If you don't mind me asking, like, how did it change your relationship for the better? Yeah. So for me personally, I just felt like I had a much, I I had, I had much more patience. Number one, I think my empathy was sort of, I don't know if broken is the right word, but it felt dulled. It felt like it was, I felt like my emotions were dulled and that included the emotional highs. Those were dulled. 
So it was like, wow. I just felt kind of numb in general. And so it was like, and I couldn't connect with people empathically as much as I do now, or when I, you know, had periods where I wasn't drinking much. Yeah. So I think that was a big thing for me to, to empathically connect with my partner um, and gen- like mean it, you know, where it was like, oh, I know how you feel. I'm so sorry. And sit there with him instead of moving on to the next thing, you know? Yes. So I think that's a big thing, but I think the emotional highs and the emotional lows are really interesting to me because I did have to experience more emotional lows, but I experienced way more emotional highs. Yeah. And that was really fascinating to me because I had dulled that too. So everything was wow. just kind of dull. Like I, I kind of describe it as like, I was in a black and white movie and there was a certain point where like the color turned on, you know? And I was like, Oh, this is a beautiful place to be in. Look at That's that. That's so cool. I love hearing so, that. Yeah. And I just think my, like my level for positivity, which is my natural state is to be pretty positive yeah. uh, that that had been dulled too, you know? And so it was oh. like, I saw things more of a, in a cynical way and it's like, no, this is not even who I am. So that's yeah. awesome to hear. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I work with a lot of professionals obviously, and they're like, how do I level up in my career? And if they're emerging leaders, how do I get promoted and all these things? And I'm like, I don't come out of the gate saying, well, stop drinking alcohol. <laughs> I would have not believed it. I would have not believed it until I did it. And so, you know, it was like one of those things that you have to get the evidence for yourself. So I'm just sharing that because I've noticed a huge difference in my confidence, in my clarity of thought, in my um, ability to be bold. I'm much bolder than I was when I was drinking a bottle of wine most nights. Um, And then I just think emotionally intelligent, you know, like it just feels like I was able to access those, you know, the spectrum of emotions. So I'm kind of just curious for you professionally. I know it's been quite a while. So you've had a, uh, you know, 15 years of this, but how do you feel like it's really uh, improved your professional life? Well, it's allowed me to take more risks and, and calculated ones. Um, Part of the, when I was, um, still drinking. I was with another company. Um, and I decided to take uh, a step into sales. So, um, full disclosure, kind of give you some background. I was, um, I was in advertising sales, uh, for a number of years and I was in at a company called CBS outdoor. And I worked on the real estate side of things where I was killing it. I was a top five, uh, salesperson, um, nationally for a number of years. And what I found out though, is it's very easy to give people money and be successful than it is to give them something or the opportunity to invest in themselves uh, that they may or may not want. So I, uh, I first of all, was able to take risks and I took that first step into the real sales world right around 2009. Now, if you remember 2009, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was the bubble had burst. And so I decided I would make my venture into sales, which didn't start off as, um, flowery, uh, as I had wanted, uh, but it did, however, lead me to Sandler. So that's how I got involved with, uh, uh, Sandler by Jerry Weinberg and associates here in, in Metro Detroit. Um, you know, we've been around for over 30 years now and Jerry, I hired him, uh, as a coach, as a, as a Sandler trainer. And, uh, I loved it so much, uh, saw my, um, skills grow that, uh, so much so that I joined the team. And so I've been here, um, almost 11 years, but part of it is that you said it, Rachel, it gave me clarity. Uh, it gave me boldness. 
uh, it allowed me to take risks, calculated ones that I probably wouldn't have uh, because I would have been stunted from uh, from my drinking. And it allowed for that clarity to both figuratively and actually see what I, I really wanted. Um, got back to being more goal oriented and figuring out, hey, this is one thing that I want in life, but what's the what's the professional side of things that I really want to go after? And it allowed me to really grow, uh, which as I, I think you use the term stunted, uh, or maybe that's one that I just I, I just came from uh, from thinking about it. I really was when I was drinking. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of opened the the floodgates to allow me to think differently, look at the world differently and become really in tune with the growth mindset that I think had just been buried over the many years of drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Have you found the sales work environment to be challenging with out drinking? Cause I would imagine there's a lot of entertaining, maybe not as much at Sandler. I don't know, but do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I hear that from a lot of clients that are like, I would love to do that, but literally three nights a week, we go out for happy hour and that's where all the work actually happens. So if I ever want to get promoted, I have to go to these happy hours. And if I don't drink, they won't invite me because they'll think I'm judging them for drinking. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. I think there's a lot of work we have to do in the corporate space just to be a little more friendly to that. And obviously, like you said, it's your problem. It's not the people around you's problem, but you certainly don't want to be excluded from conversations and needed conversations uh, in our work cultures. So I'm just curious if that was a challenge in the sales world or if that's your, like, maybe that's your, um, like your golden ticket where people are like, wow, he really stands out. So it's this balance and some of it's on me, some of it's on others. And and let me explain. I think the stereotype is that it's like, you know, animal house in certain sure. respects, you know, rock and roll. Um, I just went to an event last week. And there's, you know, it was open bar and, and there's lots of bourbon being poured. But for me, it's one of those things that I feel like as time goes on, more and more people know that I don't drink and they don't sanction me because of it. They recognize it's just not something I do. I am still the same person. Um, and I'll even buy people like bottles of wine and, and bourbon and stuff like that because it's not me, but I know it's something they enjoy. So it's being able to intertwine those two. Um, You mentioned earlier, and so this is, I'll call it, I I have some terms for it. Like when people, you know, they'll drink, they'll have a good time, they'll enjoy themselves, and then they'll they'll go. There is sometimes a threshold that people cross, which I call it the the stupid threshold. They go from (laughs) joking, having a good time to just downright fall down drunk, slobbering, being an idiot, you know, and that's when I'm like, okay, I'm out. Like that, there yeah. is a threshold that, I that hear you. people yeah. cross where I'm like, I'm done. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I, I'm fine with people. I I'm, I interact, um, you know, I, I get along. They know that they know where I'm at and, and what I do and don't do. And it doesn't, I'm not judging them. Um, yeah, unless they want to talk about it. If there's something over time that that um, I see or they see, uh, but typically I let them make the first move because um, I've had people ask me about it. Hey, you know what? I, I feel like I've been drinking a lot lately. Like, yeah. how is that environment for you? What did you do? What did you change? 
And uh, yeah, I tell them, you know, what I do and what I've done and what I've been through. Um, I also know as, as we talk about in Sandler, it's, it's their pain and, you know, what's the gap between, um, you know, where they're at and where they want to be. And if it's yeah. strong enough, they'll make a change. If it's not, they'll continue to do the same things. So yeah. it's understanding where they're at in their journey. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we talked before we hit record just about that connection with other people. I have found such a great connection by just being vulnerable and talking about it from my own pain and my own story, not in a judgmental way to the other people, but I have had so many great conversations, other people that have said, Hey, you inspired me to take a break and I'm a year sober now, you know? And it's like, those, those conversations are great, you know? And it's like, wow, these are people that they were, they were right here. And, you know, we weren't really connecting. We didn't have that connection point. Interestingly enough, one of my big discoveries with my journey is that I really like to fit in. I really oh. like to fit in. Sure. And so like the FOMO thing comes up for me sometimes where it's like, oh, if everybody's going to have a drink, you know, like that would come up early on. Sure. And then I started to just kind of like, so what, you know, and then like the more and more I were around those people, they really could care less what I was doing. And they stopped even asking me because they like, I taught them how to treat me, you know, like it was like, gosh, I just had so many more boundaries with the people around me too. So like I was pulling in the people that I wanted to be around. So I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? Just that, like that connection. And, you know, I found it in the work environment where I've openly talked about it and I'm like immediately have a connection with a client with this particular challenge. Well, it's interesting too, that you say that on a number of levels. Uh, first of all, I found that by me being open to it, I found some other people who have, you know, quit drinking um, and that their comfort level through the initial conversation lets me know that they've, you know, they may have joined AA or they've, they've decided to quit or they're, they're thinking about it. I think those are, that's a key component. Yeah. Um, but the, the other parts are, you know, I think that me being open and, you know, I, I'll use your words, authentic, vulnerable, and direct um, has allowed them to feel comfortable around me as well. And they, they, um, I'm with you uh, in the terms of, uh, I've always had FOMO. I, I love <laughs> the only, the only party that I'm, I'm ticked about is the one I'm not invited to, as, as my mind <laughs> says. Um, but the, the other thing with it is that there's kind of that need for approval and I've recognized I've got to approve of myself first and foremost. And once I've, I started crossing that barrier, that threshold, that's allowed me to be very open, vulnerable and say, Hey, look at, it's not something I do. It's my issue. And, you know, I just, I don't drink, you know, and sometimes that brings about stories and people want to you know, talk more about it. I'm okay to a point. If it's like the first conversation, I'm like, we could table that till later. Sure. I'm like, I'm not ready for the vulnerability, like, like open up uh, yeah. story. This is, this is a fun environment. Happy to talk about it at a later date if you want to yeah. get deeper, but yeah. So I think the biggest thing is that people understand me. They understand where I sit. Um, it allows them to be comfortable. And as our relationship for lack of a better um, positioning statement goes the longer they get to know me, the more that they want to find out and the the deeper our conversations go. So I think it's, it's yeah. definitely been a benefit. Yeah. 
Well, and you know, like the vulnerability piece, it was like, that's the first thing we want to see in other people. It connects us to them, you know, and then yes. we're so afraid of, of showing it. And so people have asked me like, what has, what has made drink less, live more successful or what has pulled clients in? And I'm like, I think it's the vulnerability connection. Sure. I finally Agreed. was ready to tell the truth. And I told the truth. And I told the truth to a lot of people because I'm on stages <laughs> and I'm telling people and like half the room's horrified and the other half the room is looking at me with sad eyes because they're in the same situation, you know? And so, um, so I think that was the big connection point. And so it was just a huge life lesson, I think for me, just not even just with this particular subject, but yeah. to be willing to be vulnerable and to say like, I, I have a problem here. Like this is not working for me. And I think more and more people are starting to get comfortable with that idea. I think vulnerability is powerful. Um, and I like to say it's power. Uh, it allows for you to show your real side. And uh, but I think more and more people are realizing that it's bringing strength to themselves by then. And then it directs that energy and positivity to others. Uh, the only way we can help others is to be vulnerable ourselves. And once we get past that point and realize that's how growth happens, then yeah. <laughs> we start we start to do that. And you said it, it starts to bring the people um, and some very strong people, stronger than maybe even us at a certain point into our lives. And yeah. I think that's where the real growth starts to happen. And you being vulnerable, putting it out there, both verbally and online has helped other people, you know, be attracted to you, put you or put them in your orbit. That's how we got here today. So yeah. I think it's just cool yeah. to think about um, that constant growth mindset and what it does for you and others in your orbit. So, yeah. So just to kind of circle back a bit, you sh yeah. you know, you said sometimes you share with people, Hey, this is how I did it. Um, obviously I have a program with this, but it's not the right fit for everyone. And mm -hmm. so I want people to know there's options out there. Many people are like, I don't want to go sit in a church basement and talk about my stuff. I don't feel like that fits for me. Sure. Um, so how did you do it? And like, you know, I mean, even if you're like, I quit cold Turkey that day and my wife looked at me with that resentment and I'm done. Um, you know, that's fine too. I want people to hear all of the different ways that this can happen. Yeah. I think there's a, it's a combination of different things. Um, you know, I, I initially quit cold Turkey and, and when I say initially, I, I haven't consumed since, mm -hmm. but, uh, I, I, tr I, I tried, um, AA and, you know, I went to a couple meetings, did the whole, um, 12 steps and, and it wasn't for me. It's like, there's a, there's, it works because I've seen it work with others and I want them to, to run with it. And again, I, I place no judgment on, on anyone. It's gotta be the right fit for them. And I, and I think for some it's talk therapy. Um, I've had a whole combination of things. Um, you know, I've, I've had a therapist still continue to go. Um, I think mental health is yeah. finally starting to be discussed in this, uh, in this country, which is a great thing. Um, it's, uh, you know, I've, uh, you know, changing a diet, um, working out, um, I journal a lot. That's something that we talk about in Sandler all the time. Um, so every, every morning I get up and I journal, I, I do a lot of gratitude, um, with that. I, you know, I've done some, um, some, uh, NLP stuff, neuro linguistic programming. I've done a yeah. lot of different things that, um, have all culminated into where I'm at today. I think Sandler has a lot to do with it. There's, you know, having that growth mindset on a daily you know, weekly, monthly, yearly, um, uh, you know, um, input is, is huge. 
Um, so yeah, it's it, every, people have to find what it is that they're, they're looking for. And, and there's not, I don't think there's like one like golden, you know, ticket or one magic pill that's gonna solve the problem. But I do think you've got to do it for the right reasons. And I think stopping is usually, uh, the right reasons. It's always funny. Um, and, and I'll bring this up. Uh, I don't want to go down a, a rabbit hole, but it's, um, you know, drinking is just accepted in society. I think there's something, some crazy number, like 90% of American adults, um, you know, are, have, you know, consume alcohol um, and at what varying degrees it, it, it goes about, but it's just such a, um, it's such a common interaction. And when people, you know, people will justify it for different reasons. Um, and this is not judgmental. It's just something that is, is part of our society. So when people go against the grain and decide uh-huh. to not do it, we're looked at as the, a bit of the outsider. And yeah. so, and, and sometimes with uh, sympathetic, judgmental eyes from others, but we've got to recognize why, you know, as a Simon Sinek, I always tease that, you know, he, he frames Sandler in an 18 minute talk. It's taken us 50 <laughs> years to figure out what we're, what we're yeah, all he about. He has a way of doing that, doesn't he? He's pretty no good. wonder he's successful. <laughs> exactly. So it's the fact of, you know, what is your why? What, what are you, what are you trying to, to do, prove, get at? And for me, it was, you know, I love my wife. I have a relationship that I, I prize. I have a life to live and this is getting in the way of it. And that was the why. And then it's like, all right, so what? what's the what and the how to be able to do that? Yeah. So those are the key components for me. It's it's going to be different for everybody, though. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there needs to be all sorts of different options and ways for people to kind of solve this problem. But it does take a little bit of a personal why yeah. to get there. You know, my personal why was that I wanted to like I wanted, it was health. I mean, it was really like, I, I want to feel amazing. I want to take the best care of myself. I want to take better care of myself than I do even anyone around me. That was kind of the goal a couple of years ago. And I couldn't do that with a bottle of wine most nights. Like that was not doing it for me. And I had done all these other things and thought, you know what? I bet I just need another supplement. That's why I'm so tired. And it turns out like it was the bottle of wine, you know? So So that's my why. And that's what I keep going back to. So it's like, everybody else can do what they want to do. Couldn't agree more. Our culture is obsessed with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's eye-opening when you decide to quit how much more you see it. So, you know, it's like, I go places with my kids. I'm like, why is everyone drinking beer at one o'clock at the zoo? I don't, like, <laughs> and not in a judgmental way. That would have been me three or four years ago. Like I would have Thank been you. doing the same thing. So yeah. I'm not saying it as a judgment. It's more just like, oh, wow our culture really has accepted this. And so now not drinking is unacceptable, you know? So it's like, and I would say that that's only true for a small amount of people. I think most people are like, that's really cool. That's really interesting. I've thought about doing that, you know? So I think the more I just educated myself on the impacts of alcohol. I mean, I have a master's degree in nursing. We didn't talk about this. No, I didn't know any of this. And so I start reading about it and I'm like, what? That's why my cholesterol was so high. I had no idea, you know, so it's like, (laughs) like I came from healthcare. So, you know, in some ways it was just like, I was just a little angry that I felt like I was duped, you know, I mean, I felt like alcohol industry, our culture kind of duped me. So anytime you go against that grain, totally agree with you. It's like, that's, that's tough. You know, I've done that with a few things in my life, gone against the grain and it's a hard, 
it is a hard path, but ultimately I'm doing what's best for me. That's the why. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I'm, I'm glad you said that too, because I mean, I always get a kick out of it. It's all how you market it, you know, for what, sure. for good or bad. And, and for it's sure. really, that, that's, that's how it looks. So yeah, I didn't know the nursing part. So that's yeah. fascinating. That's why I was like, <laughs> yeah. really? Spent what, 17 years in healthcare. And, you know, yeah. I mean, if you ask physicians too, they don't get trained on this stuff, you know, it's kind of just like, and the old, the old joke is that people lie about it. They just tell them half of what they're normally drinking, you know? And so, you know, it's like, then the doctor's like, well, maybe you should drink less. And then they move on, you know? But yeah. meanwhile, their liver enzymes are high, their uh, cholesterol's high, you know, all these other things that impact it, you know? So, and like my nervous system regulation was like zero when I was drinking all the time, you know? And so like, wow. now it's like, I don't feel that, that nervous system dysregulation. So I think there's a lot there for sure. But anyway, that was a huge thing for me was like just that like black and white stuff in front of my face. I'm like, I can't argue with this. Like, you know, I couldn't argue with it. There wasn't. So you there probably was, tried. I really honestly didn't like my Good. brain, like, you know, and honestly, I don't identify as an alcoholic. I, I felt like it was a real habit for me and I didn't have any other stress relieving uh, mechanisms. So like I could be, I don't know. I don't like, it doesn't matter to me. You know, it was like yeah. ultimately going back to the why was I was doing what was best for me. There's and so some people will say, well, then that means you're not an alcoholic because you didn't, you don't have a problem with that. Or you can drink a mocktail. And I'm like, I don't know if all that's true. You know, <laughs> like, I don't, I think we got to stop, stop making it so black and white. I don't think it's a black and white issue, you know? Okay. And so, yeah. Yeah. That's why I like having all sorts of different stories on, on here. So um, I love so that I you're doing kind of, this. This is so yeah. cool. Oh yeah. And you know what, this is life-giving for me. And like you said, like the work that you do helps keep you going. Same for me. So yeah. I kind of tell clients, I'm like, Hey, this has probably looked easy for me, but I do this every single day. Like you and I talking is like me writing in my journal for an hour. Nice. Cause we just, you know, we just had this great conversation. I had a human connection with somebody that gets it, you know? Yeah. And so, so I think there is something to be said with that. Like the work we do really sets us up for success here, but other people can do that too. Even if it's not the work they do every single day. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Well, as we kind of wrap things up, what would be maybe a piece of advice or guidance that you would give somebody that's listening and they're kind of like, eh, I don't I don't know how, how I identify if I'm an alcoholic or if this is just a problem for me, what would be the next thing that you would maybe guide them towards or have them think about to kind of get to that? Why, like, why do they want to do this? So I think the first thing is, you know, and I, you know, I was, I was blessed to have a great wife um, that I can lean on, um, in terms of support, but find someone that, um, that, you know, that you trust to have a conversation with about it. You know, if it's something that, that you've been thinking about, it's, you know, seek up, uh, ask, you know, find that person. There's, there's plenty of programs, you know, I mean, seek out Rachel. All right. You know, seriously, like just who are those people that care about you that want to see you be successful in life? It's not just yeah. in business, but in life. And have a conversation and, and they'll be candid with you. Allow them to do that. Don't look for judgment on yourself. Don't, you know, you know, listen. And uh, those are people that hopefully if, if you have sought them out, they care enough to, to give you their, their honest opinion. Yeah. And uh, there's plenty of programs out there that can help you, but seek yeah. help. If that's something that you're really looking for, you want to make that change. Seek help. It's there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and I would say just like the community aspect has been so beneficial for me. You know, if I were like, I tried to cut back my drinking for a long time or just, I had periods where I quit for a while and, you know, it was like, okay, but then back to the old pattern of behavior. And I do think like when we, like, it's such a shameful topic. So I was ashamed of it. I wasn't honest about it for a long time. And the second I started being honest about it, it was like the shame just started to just go away. Yeah. And I don't experience it anymore. It's why I can talk about it openly what I used to drink because it doesn't exist anymore, you know? So I think there's something to like that truth thing. Like you tell someone else the truth and now we're off to the races. Like now yeah. there's a little bit of that shame that's gone. Yeah. And I will real quick, I will tell a story and it's, it's uh it's a bit of a rough one. Like the one thing that I found is I did actually tell my parents about it but it was a fascinating story. Yeah. I didn't tell them right away. I uh, I waited a couple of years and I told them and I'll never forget it. Um, it was the most bizarre experience. One of the top five bizarre experiences of my life. Um, went to dinner, um, had them back to our house, let them know that I stopped. And within five minutes, they're like, oh, I think, I think we were going to be going. And it was something that they had not, um, talked about something that was too close to home that was not something they were ready to commit in terms of a conversation, whether it be with me or with them. And it was fascinating to watch because, um, you know, walked them out and my wife asked me, she's like, what just happened? I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So when it goes back to finding those people, it's really thinking about who who are those people that you can talk to about it. If there's people that are too close to the situation, they may not be able to give that open and candid advice that oh, I think both yeah. of us sought. I love that advice because if that had been your first, the first people you went to, that uh-huh. may have changed the trajectory. So I, Thank yeah. You. And, you know, I've learned that people's reactions are not personal. So it's like, I don't take them personally anymore. I'm like, yeah. that's just about you. That has nothing to do with me, you know? Um, yeah. but it can be tough, especially when it comes to parents. Like we have expectations of parents. And of course you would have loved to have them just embrace you and say, we're so happy for you and we'll support you in any way. And that's not what you got, you know? No. It was this, yeah. But it wasn't about you. Like it, it really a, had nothing to do with you. Yeah. I think the biggest part is what you just said there. And that's something where you can't, um, you can't take those things personally. You have yeah. to separate them. And this is an opportunity to do that and really test you on it. So that's great advice. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you so much and just loved hearing your story. And um, I think it'll be beneficial to the whole community just to kind of hear, you know, all different ways of doing this thing and all different journeys. So it's not black and white, that's for sure. Amen to that. And thank you so much for having me, Rachel, and keep up this amazing work. I'm so happy to be a part of it. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate the time. (laughs) Don't forget to hit subscribe so you can be reminded for my weekly Wednesday episodes. If you're curious about my programs and options of ways to work with me, check out rachelpritz.com. And if that's not interesting to you right now, no problem. Just keep listening along for free. Either way, I'm here for you.